This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale, it's the end of July, and we thought, well, you know, fall campus starts next week, and wait a second, uh, Colorado defected for the Big 12. You know, we always wonder, and I, I, I guess it's an ongoing theme with the show, that we, we figure how we're going to get through the summer with nothing happening. Well, finally, the first ball dropped, and Shane, uh, I guess we have a lot to talk about in this episode. See, the first year we did this show, the offseason, it was a bunch of coaches fired and hired. And the second yep. year, I forget what it was last year, but there was always there's always stuff to talk about in the offseason. So, excuse well, me. Last yeah, year we it, talked about the, t- the TV deals as well and yeah, the, yeah. the conference because Arizona was rumored, but nothing happened. No. And now we finally see something as we're recording on Thursday night and Colorado has uh, declared that they are back or the Big 12 has said that they are back in the Big 12. Uh, and what is next for Arizona? So we're going to break that down on this program as well as finally we have an awesome guest uh, for the first time solo on the program. The voice of the Wildcats, Brian Jeffries, is going to join Shane and I in segment two. I hope you guys are excited for that as we are. But Shane, let's get right to it. It is by yourself presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to icehaker.com and use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C. Get one of those beauties like Shane is holding up in the YouTube stream uh, for $5 off with that promo code, or you can go to fanatics.com. All right, Shane, let's start with it. Well, here, first of all, before we get into buy or sell, here's what I'm hearing from my source. Yeah. Because it comes down to Arizona, that Arizona is kind of the linchpin keeping the conference together at this point. That's what my source has told me, that if the conference stays together, the remaining nine, that SMU would be the 10th team as uh, San Diego State's uh, buyout is a little too much right now, that San Diego State would be team 11 in a few years and either Tulane, UNLV or Colorado State would be team 12. So um, the source thinks that if Arizona goes, Oregon and Washington uh, would also go on a short-term basis. Now, that's the key. I I guess we'll start with this, Shane. Um, Buy or sell. It would make sense for Arizona to jump to the Big 12. I think we would agree that's a buy. Assuming they had to sign a 100-year grant of rights, as presumably Colorado is doing, Wow. Uh, you put me on the spot with that one, didn't you? You you know, I told you on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, that I was not going to agree with an automatic jump to the Big yeah. 12. Did Colorado sign 100? Is it 100 years? The the Big 12 members have a 100-year grant of rights. Okay. Well, as I understand. Uh, I, you know what? I'm a big fan of the show Shark Tank, Eric. And, and I one thing I've learned watching like 12 years of that show, whatever it is mm-hmm. now, you, you take the sure thing and the big 12 was offering, I think you got to take the jump. Uh, I, I think that that's, you know, and I, I kind of pair it with um, our friend red hat cat said on Twitter slash X, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite follows on whatever that platform's called. Now he said uh, deep down, I wanted the pack to stay together. And as a, mm-hmm. a football first fan, I like the idea of trying to win a USC less league with an automatic playoff bid, which I did too. Um, but he said, George Klyovkov failed 25% of the league is left and it's musical chairs to stay in the power four. 
And then he said, wait and see gets you left out. And so I figured I'd just read that rather than just, just paraphrasing it because he said exactly what I wanted to say. I think, you know, as Mark Cuban would say on Shark Tank, sometimes you got to shut up and take the deal. And if that's the case, if, if they do have that deal in front of them, I think they need to move on rather than the potential of getting left out of the cold in, in another conference or even a, a whatever's left of the Pac-12 is not considered power five going forward. I'm sorry, Shane. I got to disagree with you here. And, and this is an honest disagreement. I'm all for the Big 12 on a short-term 10-year grant of rights deal. I think Arizona's ultimate goal, to be honest, is the Big 10. If the Big 10 goes to 24 teams, seriously. Why do you think that? I think it is, I mean, the SEC, Arizona would get pounded year in, year out uh, in football. And that that probably will not change. I think in the Big 10, not saying Arizona would be a contender, but I think they would fare better. I think ultimately that is the best case scenario all time for Arizona, considering the Pac-12 will never be the same. I, I think eventually, I mean, the way things are going, you're, you're just going to be more and more consolidation, and eventually you're just going to get to like, like two or three power conferences yeah. anyway. And and it's not going to necessarily matter what which conference you're in as long as you're in the top twelve to end the season. So uh, I think the Big Twelve offers this kind of security. Certainly, the Pac-12 doesn't. It's as simple as that for me. I know it's not that simple. Otherwise, it's not that simple in the real world. The academics play a big part, like we talked about. But I think if Arizona has that opportunity to jump, especially with Colorado now being the, the first of the 10 schools to to say to to, to waiver and and that that happened quickly, by the way, like the reports yeah, came out yet uh, yesterday, which was uh, uh, Wednesday, and then the, the, the official announcement today. So uh, I would like to see Arizona follow suit. I know Brett McMurphy is reporting that the Big 12 would like to uh, add between one and three schools, one or three would make sense because then you still have an even number. So if Arizona's that one, or I guess their dream scenario, according to McMurphy, would be Arizona, ASU, and Utah, the four corner schools. No, I think I think it's I think honestly, Shane, I I don't think from what I hear from my source that uh, Michael Crow is willing to go down with the ship. Uh, he does not want to leave the the pack whatever conference. Uh, I think the dream scenario for the big the Big Twelve is Arizona, Oregon, and Washington on a short uh, and and is I think realistic it's, though. Well, is I think it, it is it is if the Big Twelve were to say you know, a five or 10 year deal, you know, minimum, you must stay with us for five or 10 years or, or somewhere in between that. But a hundred years is not going to work. I mean, it's just not that yeah. that Colorado got desperate. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just, I, I cannot, I can't sign in to a, a conference that doesn't have a, a linchpin football team. They lost Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, you, you're going to sign into that for a hundred years without an anchor team. No, but if it Oregon and Washington go, okay, remember we just talked that Oregon and Washington could end up going to the Big Ten as well, right? Well, right. So, they they want to go to they they're going to go to the Big Ten at some point. Okay, yeah. that's that's going to happen. I, I think if Arizona could one day go with them, that'd be great. And the, and the Big Ten were to have a Western division, I mean that's fantastic. That's what we want when it's consolidated to probably three twenty four team conferences. I just don't. You know, I don't want to be left out in the cold, Eric. I, I don't want to be left to, you know, with, you know, have, have the Mountain West pick us up. And and that would be the worst case scenario. So I, I think, and look, I know um, Dr. Robbins has given uh, Klayovkov until August. I'm not sure exactly when in August, but in August to uh, to come up with to come up with a deal. And so I, I imagine he's going to be true to his word and wait for that. Um, but if it doesn't sound promising, they don't like it. They need they need to bolt. They need to get out. Well, and I think that's where Arizona needs to go if they're going to bolt. And I and I agree with you at this point. I think the pack is is a dying conference. Whoever they bring in, SMU, Colorado State, like 
I'm not buying tickets to go see Colorado State and Arizona in any sport. No offense to those of you who like the CSU Rams. That does not move the needle. Rice does not move the needle. SMU does not move the needle. I would any of the Big Twelve schools intrigue me more than any of those that I just mentioned. Well, and, okay? and that's and that, that's the important thing is like Colorado leaving, and let's be just be very clear on this point. Colorado leaving is not nearly as big a deal as UCLA or USC leaving. No, yeah, the Pac-10 so, so was- Colorado, Shane, Colorado, since they joined the Pac twelve, they have played a uh, hundred and forty two games in football. Do you know how many they've won? Fifty. 48 very good guess they're 48 and 94 in 12 seasons yeah they've had two winning seasons they're 0 and 2 in bowl games well they They don't dominate other any other sport either i mean the the thing i remember the most for is is um edging out arizona in the pack the pack the first pack 12 tournament i believe it was in 2011 when arizona needed to win to get to the ncaa tournament and colorado beat them uh so they've had some moments a few here and there in men's basketball football no Maybe that's coming with Deion Sanders. Again, we're skeptical on that too. Uh, but yeah, them leaving is not nearly as big as, as UCLA or USC leaving for financial, re- I mean, for recruiting reasons, for a number of reasons, market reasons, you know, LA versus versus Boulder slash Denver. It's just not, it's not, it's night and day. But, you know, if, if they can fill in, you know, if they add one more school, whether that's SMU, San Diego State, UNLV or another team, and then they try to bring in two more after that, maybe they can find a way. Uh, but again, I'm I'm Team Big Twelve. I hope that they make it work, especially if they can get the same that same what thirty one point seven million dollars uh, in, um, in right. revenue share that Colorado would get, which I think they would, as is, is, is my understanding. Well, our, our buddy, our buddy uh, Corey Left, aka John Wall Street, is not as optimistic that the revenue sharing no, would be equal. I, I mean, yeah. apparently Colorado's getting what the other Big Twelve members are. I would think that Arizona is not moving unless they do that. I think if if the Big 12 were to say to Arizona, we'll give you that money and you can sign a your grant of rights is 10 years, I think Arizona yeah. accepts tomorrow. I, I really believe that. Yeah. And I, maybe that's what ends up happening. Maybe that's what they negotiate to. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm saying I'm beating a dead horse here, but I, I think that I was on team Big 12 before Colorado left. And, and now that they have, I, I think that they need to if that 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 hand is being extended by the Big 12, like it sounds like it is. They need to take it uh, as long as the money's right. And it sounds like they could probably get there. I'm going to assume this is a, a super buy from you, but I, I wrote this on on X uh, or Twitter, whatever it is, uh, on Wednesday. I said The Elon Arizona... Musk platform. We'll just yes. call it Elon's platform. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I said Arizona must be proactive and not reactive in this case. The the thing is, I, I'm going to... The only... Listen, do, do at this point, do academics matter to you? Does that is that matter in this decision? Well, on a personal level, no. But it sounds like it it, it is an issue, and and a, a jump to the Big Twelve would be a, a step backward in that regard. So I understand that. You know, it's not just about about athletics when you when you make this move. But uh, I I think that I yes, I will obviously buy. They need to be proactive rather than reactive. And it, it's kind of interesting though that it seems like Arizona holds a lot of the cards here, doesn't it? That they hold. You know, that ASU sounds like ASU is going to follow whatever Arizona does, and maybe some other schools will too. But Colorado was not the death blow. It it put the conference on life support. But yeah. if Arizona goes, the cords pulled. It's it's over. Would would you say uh, by yourself that George Klyavkov has been a bigger failure than Larry Scott? I guess the question is: Would the Pac-12 be in this kind of shape if Larry Scott were still in charge? Would USC and UCLA have left for the Big Ten? To me, the answer Probably. is likely yeah, yeah, yes, since yeah. I believe that Larry Scott set the table for the dominoes yeah. to fall as they begun to fall. Okay. With that said, 
I think Klyavkov, he seems to be in over his head. I think that has to be the conclusion. He was a high risk outside the box hire in what may have ultimately been a long shot to save the conference. And that risk certainly hasn't paid off. Uh, he's talked a big game and that's about it. He's talked. Uh, obviously a number of the schools in the conference haven't bought what he's selling. And that now includes Colorado. Uh, again, it's, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of like, you know, a, a new president comes in and he, you know, the, the economy was already on the downturn, but he gets blamed for it. I think it's kind of that, but ultimately, I don't know, like I said, if anyone would have been able to save the conference, considering the state that Larry Scott, Scott left it in. George Klyavkov has not been the savior we had hoped, but I think it's unfair to say that he's been a bigger a bigger failure than Larry Scott, because I think he set the table more for the situation than George Klyavkov has. All right. I, I hate to say this, and I think Larry Scott was an ultimate failure, but what has George Klyavkov done? Like, he's done nothing, oh, nothing. Shane. Yeah. I nothing. mean, dude, so, so I, agree. I, I at least Larry Scott got something. And I know it's a very low bar, but I, I'm legitimately talking about it. The lowest bar. George Klyavkov did a handshake agreement with the ACC and Big Ten, where the which which obviously flopped. They lost. He lost their two biggest schools, uh, two biggest anchor tenants, basically. Yeah. And he hasn't been able to get a TV deal that he's promised. I, I mean, legitimately, it's been an utter failure. I, if, if somebody can name something that George has done in his two years, please indulge me. I, yeah, it's just it's tough because is there anyone who could have come in at, with the situation that Klyavkov had come in and, and save save the, the situation? I, I don't I think, know. I, see, here's where we disagree. Okay. Brett Yormark, for as used car salesman as he is, uh, he is proactive. He went out and he did something. He went out and got a TV deal a year before, knowing what was coming down the pipe. Yeah, with and, ESPN and, and Fox Sports, no less. Like, to, like the right. Two, I mean, that's the, what you wanted. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if George, George, he should have done that. He, he, he got outmaneuvered by the used car salesman. He did. He, he was in over his head. And somebody said, "Well, why don't you replace him?" You can't because do you know how long it would take to find a commissioner? No, you would. No. The, the rest of the conference would defect before it's you'd have a or bust at this point. Yeah. Right. So now the conference is fate. And I don't think the conference is going to go bye-bye. We'll talk about that in the last segment of what we think is going to happen. Okay. I, we both agree. Listen, I wanted the Pac-10 the Pac to stay together. I, I, at first, I wanted Big 12. And then after thinking about it, you know, it would have been nice to see the conference stay together and get a decent TV deal. At this point, just because, you know, the TV deal looks like a myth. Yeah. I, I think Arizona probably has to go. For, for me, Eric, the bottom line is nothing has changed for me except the sense of urgency. Colorado's leaving did not change anything for me. I still wanted I wanted Arizona to go to the Big 12 before. I want them to now. But I think that, that there's no time left. There's very little time left to 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 make a maneuver. If, if Oregon and, and Washington leave for whatever conference and you're still in the pack whatever's left and the Big yeah. 12 says, sorry, we don't want you at this point – what do you do? That's my concern. You don't rebuild the Pac-12 at that point. It's 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 almost it's almost past the point of of not rebuild being able to be rebuilt at this point. So Arizona needs to, uh, like I said, shut up and take the deal if there is one. All right, I want to ask you one last kind of football related question before we get to Brian Jeffries. So we you know we've talked about basketball. Arizona has this very aggressive non-conference schedule. Okay, which you um, constantly complained about for which whatever. I have complained about. Yes. But at least there are attractive home games for fans. Mm -hmm. So here is who Arizona has coming up in the next few years in football. 
at, at home games. I'm, I'll just roll through these quickly. 2024, NAU New Mexico. 2025, Hawaii, Weber State, Kansas State. Then NAU Northern Illinois. Then BYU NAU. Then Colorado State and Prairie View AM. 2029, you get Virginia Tech and Air Force. Then NAU Wyoming. 2031, we get NAU in Nebraska. And in 2033, Alabama is tentatively scheduled to appear at Arizona Stadium. Regardless of which conference Arizona is in, buy or sell Shane, Arizona has to strengthen a and get a better non-conference home schedule just about every year based on what I just read, right? Uh, I'll I'll buy that, yeah, especially with UCLA and USC leaving and who knows where they're going to end up. And BYU could end up being a conference game, who knows? Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd like to... Yeah, no, it, that, that it's, it, it's bad and it's not, not something that's going to get the fans excited. I'll, although, you know, if you put out a winning product, it might not matter. So I don't I don't know about the need necessarily, as I certainly would like to see uh, better. But I, again, I think if they joined the Big 12 and had that stability, they'd, they'd uh, have more luck finding some big name opponents. Uh, so you got Kansas State, Virginia Tech, Nebraska and Alabama and, and throw mm -hmm. BYU in there. O outside of that, there's not one opponent that I just read off that's playing at Arizona Stadium in the next 12 years or 11 yeah. years. That I'm like, oh my god, I I I have to be at that game. Yeah, and there that's aren't as, embarrassing. There aren't as many as there used to be. Like even when they were terrible under uh, John McEvick, they played Ohio State at home. I think they played Ohio State at home they in, played in at 2000. L it was actually it was Dick Tomey's last year. Was it? Was it L was I, I think it was. I think it was LSU. They played LSU, LSU during McEvick. They played LSU in 2003. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we we've seen Iowa. We've seen Oklahoma yeah. State. Um, the home and homes know, of both of those teams were great because the Arizona won both of was, those those games at home. And the Iowa game was the most electric I've ever heard, or one of the most electric games I've ever heard at Arizona State. It was uh, in college, Wisconsin. I called the game from the press box in the middle yeah. of a hurricane. Uh, where is the aggressive non-conference scheduling? And I know I probably sound like a hypocrite to some of you. Then fair enough, uh, I'll say it. They got to do something about this. As a season ticket holder, this is an embarrassing non-conference slate over the next decade honestly and i think most of you will probably agree with me one thing we won't ask brian jeffries is probably about that but he has much to opine on i'm sure here on wildcat country what's up wildcat country it's robbie g baby and i am gearing up for a big year with coach jet fish and excited to see what the arizona wildcats do this football season and just like the football team we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed u of a ice shaker baby check it out and get it at fanatics.com bear down arizona let's go shane we've done 160 plus episodes of this program and 162 162 i'm glad you're keeping count uh we've and we've never had this guest on solo before so it's a true honor to welcome the voice of the wildcats brian jeffries to wildcat country brian uh you know we thought the end of july nothing's going on and then all hell breaks loose in the pac-12 so colorado is off to the big 12 are you surprised well i was surprised because i thought there was unity amongst the, the 10 remaining schools it certainly appeared that way last week in las vegas at the pac-12 media day uh, at the same time, uh, it's been a year since the L.A. schools left. Uh, they still have no TV deal. I think all 10 schools have to be looking out for themselves because you just don't know what the future is going to hold right now. So in that sense, no, I'm, I'm not shocked because I think everybody right now is fending for themselves. And Colorado's the first to go. Maybe not the last. Uh, I hope not. I've been around this conference my entire life. I hope it survives. But I think right now they're going to need a lot of work to get it done. 
kind of a tricky question, Brian. And like Eric said, we th- thanks for joining us. Uh, Tim Healy's not here to uh, take out the majority of our time this time. Uh, great man, but that was a. Um, we'll move on from that. It's, it still stresses Eric out. We talk about it. Uh, so you, you talked about the Pac-12. You know, Arizona and ASU. They joined, I think, in '78, and it this the, the you know Arizona's become synonymous with this conference. If they happen to leave, if they happen to join, and obviously the Big Twelve would be the most likely. Culturally, how do you think that changes the culture of the University of Arizona athletics? Well, it changes. I think it starts in recruiting because right now Arizona is considered a West Coast school. And like all the schools in the Pac-12, they do a bulk of their recruiting in California. And if they're no longer playing games in California, I think that's a detriment uh, really to any school that would leave the current configuration and go to the Big 12. Now, it does open up some new recruiting territory in Texas, for example. But at the same time, uh, there's there's going to be some changes there. At the, you know, the L.A. schools are facing that, too. They're going to the Big Ten. I mean, things are going to be different uh, for them. It would certainly be different for any other school that went to the Big 12. So, you know, competitively, um, I, I think moving to the Big 12 would would work OK. But I think culture is the probably the best word you used right there, the adjustment that uh, Arizona, for example, would have to make uh, no longer going to California on a regular basis or or Washington or Oregon or, or Utah or wherever. All right, well, let's uh, rewind and talk about this year. The Arizona is still in the Pac-12. They have a full Pac-12 schedule ahead. Uh, the football team does. Uh, tell me about what you think about the, this year's team. You have media days come and gone. Um, some, uh, like, what are, I guess, maybe a couple of things that you're most excited about going into this season. Well, this is good timing, guys, because I, I had a chance to talk to Jed Fish last night. And now Jed's a very energetic guy. You know that. I mean, the, the guy, I don't know how much he sleeps, but it's not very much. I've never seen anybody with so much energy. No coach that I've ever been around before. But last night, he was very excited about this coming season, and he should be. It's his third year. They've had a couple seasons now to recruit, to build up their roster. Uh, he's done a tremendous job considering what he inherited and all the, the, the difficulties of trying to recruit to a, a school that has not had a lot of football success here of late. So uh, he's excited to see what uh, this team has to hold. Uh, I think for me, uh, the offense looks to be in good shape. You've got the returning quarterback. You've got the depth at running back. Uh, yes, you lost uh, Dorian Singer, wide receiver, but I think that uh, you know they've got enough depth there. I think they have a tremendous tight end in Tanner McLaughlin. Uh, three of the five starters back on the offensive line uh, probably end up with another two freshmen starting at one of the guard spots this year. Uh, but that worked out okay last year for uh, uh, Jonas Adovea. But um, defense is still, to me, the question mark. Uh, they've been able to recruit well on the line. They've got more depth there. Now, you know, how what quality depth we're going to have to find out. But at least they've got more depth there. And the linebacking core has been uh, helped a lot out of the transfer portal. Uh, Justin Flo, the kid out of Oregon, is probably the headliner there. Uh, but the bigger question on defense for me is the secondary. Uh, they lost three very valuable guys back there, including Jackson Turner, who was their leading tackler last year. And so if you look at the roster right now, it does not look like there's a, a, a huge amount of veteran uh, talent in the secondary. So they're going to have to identify some people in camp uh, in order for that to, to, to be a strong part of the team. Hopefully, uh, with the front seven being better this year, they can put pressure on opposing quarterbacks, which was a, a major weakness. And if they can do that, take some of that pressure off of Arizona's secondary. Kind of a two-part question here, Brian. As a play-by-play announcer, going into the season, 
do you kind of have a pretty good feel of how the team is going to be most years when it's all said and done? No, <laughs> no. I There hasn't been a single training camp, no matter what coach that I've been around, when it's over, when I thought that the team wasn't ready to go out and win, you know, six or seven games. And that's just being too close to it, watching practice every day. And with every team, it's probably the same way. You watch practice, everybody's working in concert together, and uh, you just you feel very confident. Uh, and so I, I won't have a clue. I'll watch practice here, get started next week. But I, I, I won't be able to tell you when that's over if I think they're going to be that much better. The reason I think they're going to be better is simply because of the depth that they've added and the quality depth that they've added and what Jed Fish has done from 1-11 and 11 to 5-7, and seven, you just figure that progression is going to continue. He's kept a, a good staff. Everybody's stayed together. and They've got enough guys coming back that you're, you're optimistic going into the season. When you think about your enthusiasm uh, pre-camp, you know, going into a season, you know, when Jed took over, obviously there was a cultural change, but you knew that you looked at the, the you know, uh, most fans looked at the, at the too deep and were like, well, this is not so good. Would you say you're more enthusiastic thus far going into the season saying, hey, you know what, this team has a chance to go to a bowl game realistically, you know, before camp, before you see everything. Would you say oh, that's yeah. accurate? I, absolutely. I, I I think that would be a great next step for this program. If they could get to at least six wins and get to a bowl, uh, I think that would reward the, the players. It would reward the fans who have suffered through some tough times here under the previous coaching staff and They've watched Jed Fish start to build this uh, program back to where they hope it can it can go. And you don't expect, I mean, the Pac-12, as you guys know, is very deep. And so to to you know not have unrealistic expectations like Arizona's gonna go out, win eight, nine games, and uh, you know, challenge for the championship. I don't think that's uh, realistic, but I think it's definitely realistic that they could get to a bowl game this year. And as I said, I think that would be a perfect step for the program based on where they've been. Brian, you know, Jed Fish has been pleading for fans to to show up to Arizona Stadium. And I feel like, you know, as big as that win at, UC, at a ranked UCLA team was last year, the win over ASU to me was bigger in terms of fans re-engaging with this program. I think a lot of casual fans and even non-casual fans maybe checked out for a while. And they, they beat ASU for the first time in six years. And that really, you know, adds some energy and some hope uh, for fans who and could increase the attendance this year and maybe generate some excitement. As someone who actually lives in Tucson, we're up here, you know, in enemy territory in the Phoenix area. What are your thoughts on where the fans are right now? Well, there's a good fan base here. Uh, and if you look in years past, uh, they've done fine. Now, again, you go back, what now, five, six years maybe when things started to dwindle and it's hard to get them back again because you want to win. I mean, that's it. Uh, this is not the, the Big Ten where 60,000 people will show up when it's 30 degrees outside. The West Coast is, is a different animal, and I think that pulls true for almost every program out West. And Arizona's no different. Uh, they they want to see, the fans want to see, a, they want to see a winning team, obviously, but I think they just want to see a team that has a chance to win too. And so I agree, Shane, that win over ASU was bigger than the win over UCLA. Because if you lost to the rival again, if Arizona would have lost that game and finished four and eight, I, I think the fan base would have kind of taken a step back and said, you know, this is going to be a long haul. The win, it just looks a lot better on paper. You, you beat your rival, you're five and seven, you've got momentum going, you've got enough guys coming back where 
I, I think the fan base is excited. Now we'll we'll find out here in another month if uh, you know they're going to turn out. And uh, I, I think it's a good football town. Uh, I think they like Jed Fish. He has certainly done everything he can to engage with the community and the fan base to get them excited about the team. And they've got another four or five weeks in order to kind of escalate that. You touched on the recruiting that Jed Fish and his staff have done. And of course, you know, most recently uh, bringing Elijah rushing in as a verbal commitment was, is remarkable and something you wouldn't have seen certainly with the previous coaching staff, or maybe even the ones before that. But the fact that a guy like Elijah rushing is committing to Arizona, certainly that that's got to at least in state turn some heads of some of the other top guys, four or five star guys and think, wow, what's going on in Arizona? Do, do you think that maybe I, I'm not expecting Arizona to recruit like Alabama or Ohio state, but do you think maybe that could be kind of a snowball effect where some of these other top guys who maybe wouldn't have given Arizona a look previously might start to do so? Well, I think it already has. Uh, the coaches have indicated that that was huge just for uh, the look of it. And uh, yeah, getting him out of South Point High School, and that is the uh, the the high school in Tucson in terms of, you know, if you look at longevity of high school football power, we've got some great players coming out of there. And Arizona's lost some here recently. And quite frankly, it's because the, the previous staff didn't try hard. And Jed Fish works his you-know-what off to recruit. And that's one guy he went after. There's some other guys on the South Point roster right now that they are uh, recruiting very heavily. Uh, I don't know how he does it, to be honest with you. Uh, that's one of the most amazing things about Jed and his staff is that considering what they had when they arrived here, uh, they didn't have much to sell. And for them to be able to go out and convince these kids uh, that there's a future here and they're going to build something, it's just a great testament to, to what Jed and the staff have done. And, you know, he's done it in, uh, I think, the right way where, you know, he's used a lot of his NFL connections. Uh, you know, they, when they bring kids to campus, they make sure that, you know, they see everything. And uh, uh, Jed's personality, I think, certainly takes hold at that point. It gets guys excited about playing for Arizona. And so it, it's it's working. I think that's the, the bottom line. And if it continues, you know, they'll keep getting better and better. And my last question for you, Brian, and again, we really appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, uh, tough schedule for Arizona this year. It's why I think they might be better, but still might be hard pressed to get to a bowl game. But just on for you as as a as a as an announcer, as a fan of this team, what which games on the schedule this year are you most excited about? Well, I'll just I'll give it to you in in kind of uh, sections. So the first three games, you got NAU at home, trip to Mississippi State, UTEP at home. Arizona has to be two and one at worst after those first three games. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not yep. discounting going to Starkville and winning, uh, but that's, a, you know, it's tough going down to SEC country and winning. So uh, two and one at the word, then they go to Stanford to open Pac-12 play. If Arizona's going to play in a bowl game this year, they probably have to win that game. And Stanford's picked right now to finish the bottom of the league, new coaching staff, they're rebuilding. They lost a lot of guys. And so I, to me, that is a huge game right there because then all of a sudden you're looking at being three and one. Then you've got Washington coming into town. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you Arizona can win that game, but if the Wildcats are three and one at worst going into that game, it gives them that momentum. And then you got the fans excited. And, you know, Arizona's beaten Washington here before when the Huskies have been number one in the country. Uh, but it's a tough stretch because, you know, you got USC coming up, uh, everybody down the road after that. So uh, I just, those, those first, Really, four games to me are are 
monumental in terms of can Arizona get to a bowl game? And if they can, if they can at least beat NAU, UTEP, and Stanford, I think they're in in great shape. Brian, I'd be remiss to have you on and not ask you one question about basketball. Just your thoughts on what Tommy Lloyd has done this offseason and maybe some early expectations for this year's team. Well, when last year's season ended, and it ended on a sour note, losing in the first round to, to Princeton, that didn't go over well with the fan base or probably anybody at that point except the, the Princeton fans. And uh, then they only had one player committed to come in for this next season. And so – uh, the the cynics started wondering, okay, is he really going to be able to recruit? And you remember last year he brought in a couple guys out of the portal, and and then you know, you wait a, a month or so. And I remember Tommy saying, uh, when some of the criticism was out there about, well, you know, can he really get this done? He said uh, something to the effect of, well, maybe I know more about our roster next year than anybody. Yeah, and sure enough, he did. And so he's been able to land again a couple of uh, guys out of the portal. Uh, Caleb Love probably being the, the headliner uh, coming from North Carolina. He's gone to Europe again, and that's been a gold mine for him when he was at Gonzaga and, and Arizona. And so now all of a sudden, uh, he's got a, a pretty formidable roster to look at. they got a lot of new faces. They're taking a trip. They're leaving next week, I believe. They're going to the Middle East uh, to play an exhibition uh, series. And I think that's going to be very valuable when you have a lot of new faces like that to to be able to play some extra games, that'll be a great indication of where they're going to be at. Well, the Final Four is in uh, Glendale this year. So, hey, we're, we're hopeful, but as I <laughs> tell Shane, I'm not buying tickets yet. I know it, it yeah. frustrates him. All right, last question for you. I, I have to ask you, just as a fan, outside of the national championship game in 97, give us one of your favorite games in each sport, football and men's basketball, that you've covered since you're taking over the play-by-play -play duties in, what, 1987, I believe? Yep. Uh, well, basketball was easy, and that was that first year I, I had a chance to do play-by-play, 87 to 88, when Arizona beat North Carolina at the Kingdom in Seattle to win the regional championship and earn a berth into the first Final Four in school history. And that only happens once. And so I'll never forget that, that uh, game. Um, football, I mean, this is going to be crazy. And they've had some you know, they beat Miami at the Festival. I, you know, they've beaten Washington. They were number one. They've beaten USC at the Coliseum. But Arizona beat Oklahoma here in Tucson, and the final score was six to three. And people think I'm crazy, but that was just such an intense game. And Arizona's defense was at its height at that time, and Oklahoma was not a pushover by any means. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that game, I think, just because it seemed like every play was going to determine the, the final outcome. I mean, there's been a lot of them, but uh, you asked for two, so there you go. Was that, was that a last-second field goal Arizona won on? Was, was it, uh, I want to say it was uh, was it Doug Pfaff who hit the, the game-winning kick? Uh, I'm not testing my memory. I didn't think it was last second, but it could have been. It, it might could have been, been last minute. Last minute, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, the first territorial the territorial cup game that you covered. Now, it's even before it was a territorial cup game. It was a, the only tie in school history, I believe. Correct? Even though did they feel kind of like a win for Arizona because it's the way the game ended? Yes, because ASU had that game; it was theirs. And then the muff yep. punt, and yep. that allowed Arizona to kick the field goal and tie the game. And and yes, it it definitely felt like a win. There's, I don't think anybody ever thinks of that as a tie down here. 
And there you go right there. I mean, I just learned, I didn't even know Arizona played Oklahoma, to be honest with you. So I'm going to have to go look at the history books, figure out what year that was. But Shane, impressive that you knew uh, more about that as well. I I'll was, double, I'll I double was, check that because there's actually a video on YouTube, like one Wildcat fan's top 10 plays ever or I've football plays. Yeah, yeah. And I think that one was on there. So that's where I'm getting it from. I asked a friend who's a, a longtime, you know, a friend and, and listener of you, Brian. I said, what's your favorite Brian Jeffries call of all time? And he said, the leap by the lake. He said he was listening on the radio at the time. You know, we've seen the call on TV and, and the play on TV, but your call of the leap by the lake was his favorite. So I just wanted to, to pass that along. But Well, that was another incredible game. And I just remember as you, it was night, it was cold, it was raining in Seattle, no shocker there. And the rain was on the window, coming down the windows. And, and when Ortiz Jenkins took off like that, my first instinct was, oh, no. And then, of yeah. course, he he had one of the great plays in Arizona history. And then you said, oh, yes. And I think I, I, I think the coaching staff next door in the booth next door, I think if I remember right, uh, I heard someone pounding like, no, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden you hear the, the cheers from the assistant coaches upstairs. Brian, it's an honor to have you on finally with Shane and I solo, and we'd love to do it again during the season. Thank you so much once again. Glad to. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Well, that was a fun interview with Brian Jeffries, the voice of the Wildcats. Great to really get a chance to dig deep. Shane, and I didn't know much about that Oklahoma game. Uh, what, do you, what do you know about that one? Well, I had forgotten what year it was as well, but we looked it up afterwards. It was 89, and it was Doug Pfaff who indeed hit the game-winning field goal with two seconds left. Uh, and and because I, I did interview Doug for the um, for my first book, so I remember the name. Uh, how do you forget P-F-A-F-F, that last name. Uh, but I I didn't realize how low scoring a game that was. I, I had forgotten that it was just six to three. So, uh, yeah, that was a big one. And speaking, you, know, you talk about big non-conference games. That was one of them. You know, that back in the day, they, they played Oklahoma. They beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Uh, they don't have any of those games anymore. So hopefully they'll, they'll be able to schedule more coming up, but I enjoy the chat with Brian, especially at the end, just like, you know, you and I talk about just being able to, to talk as just guys reminisce, whether it's from former players or, or, uh, an expert, uh, commentator like Brian Jeffries and just relive those, uh, those big games. And hopefully we'll have a chance to do it again with him soon. Yeah. I was kind of surprised he picked that Oklahoma game. I thought he was going to say U of a Washington 92 where Washington was number one and Arizona beat him. I think it was 16 to three. Uh, and that mm -hmm. was like the signature win for Dick Tomey. I really thought that's what he was going to say. So the Oklahoma game was uh, off the radar. And I even learned a thing or two uh, tonight as well. All right. Um, last topic here, Shane. We talked about what should happen in the first segment with Colorado's defection to the Big 12. Uh, what do you think will happen with Arizona going forward as I of right to, now? Yeah, I have to be careful with my head versus my heart here. But I, I tend to think that they're they're probably going to head to the Big 12. I think that's probably, and I, I feel more strongly about that now than I did before. Like I still feel the same way about whether they should, but now I think it's probably more likely than not that they will just because I don't have much confidence at this point. Like we talked about of George Kwiatkow being able to secure a great uh, media deal um, for the conference and, um, and, and filling up those now three spots eventually with, with, with some big name teams or reasonably big name teams and big markets. So I, I think that Arizona, if that, if, if the Big 12 is extending its hand and saying, come in for the same share, the same uh, revenue share that we're, we're giving Colorado, I tend to think that's where they're going to go. I know it's not an easy decision. I know there's a lot more to it, especially including the academics, but I think that's probably where we're headed. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you. I think Arizona, within the next month, will make the jump to the Big 12. I just hope it's not for the 100-year grant of rights. That would be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But even my source, uh, Shane, who's been great, and he listens to this program, and and I appreciate all that he has told me, uh, he was all Pac-10, you know, Arizona's going to stay. You never don't have to worry about the Big, Big 12. And the info that he has gotten has changed that. He says, at this point, I have no idea what yeah, to expect. And I think... We, we all don't know, but I, I think this will be over in the next month and we'll be talking Big 12. I think Arizona will be playing the likes of Kansas and such uh, in 2024 and beyond. And if so, and they get a good deal from it, I mean, it's sad. The other prediction that I will make that I think is going to happen, I really do believe that Arizona and Arizona State will be in different conferences. Wow. I Now we talk about non-conference games, as we mentioned. Yeah. I would hope that Arizona and Arizona State remains one every year and it doesn't go the way of Texas and AM, for example. It probably will, just because of the the the, the geography that that comes Well, with but it. you can say that about I, I know, but you think about you know BYU, Utah, Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State. BYU, Utah didn't play last year. Are they you know they play plug, most years, but don't, they don't play every don't year. Plug the issue with facts, Eric. But yeah, but there there are a lot of schools that who are are rivalries and still make that work. But I actually disagree with you. I think that if Arizona uh, joins, I, I think if Arizona joins the Big Twelve, then ASU and Utah will come with them, and you're going to have a big a big fourteen. I think that's what's going to happen. You mean big? I think it'd be sixteen. Sixteen. Bit, yeah. uh, big more than twelve. Okay. Yeah, big more than twelve. How about that? I didn't go to college uh, and, for math, Eric. Well, do you think they'll rename the conference? By the way. No, because they're going to say it's like the Big Ten. It's like a state of mind sort of thing, whatever. So they're probably just going to stick with it. So what are your predictions? Post them in uh, on our YouTube page or maybe tweet Shane and I at CatCountryAZ or our personal Twitter handles, which you can find, or X uh, handles, whatever, whatever it is. We Yeah. Uh, so find those and give us your opinions. But uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. So we want to thank as well, Brian Jeffries for joining us. For Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Hey, it's always interesting here on, on Wildcat Country. Uh, thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. <laughs>